Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hey, you're talking to Samantha McKenzie at the Successful Mentalist podcast. Hello, hello, hello and welcome and thank you for tuning in. And more importantly, Samantha, thank you so much for being here. I think this is going to be a really, really interesting episode for all of you guys listening right now. And of course, the people in the live audience, including Cindy, that's just joined us. Because today we are not speaking to a mind reader. We are not speaking to a magician. We are not speaking to a world leading psychologist or anyone talking about neurobiology. Instead, we're talking about someone who actually works at events the same as me and Aiden, but from a very, very different angle. Samantha, yeah. welcome to the Successful Mentalist podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I was just going to say in your intro, how do you know I'm not a magician? <laughs> it's just mind reader. It's, it's a gift, you see. I know I know these things. <laughs> but no, I was wondering, um, for the people that might not have heard of you, um, say if like you've got someone who's never heard of you before, or there's a magician listening to this right now, the other side of the world, who's like, who is Samantha McKenzie? Could you give us like a 30 second summary of who you are, what you do? Uh, and maybe if you could hint on like that story of how and why you got into photography as well, I think that'd be really fascinating. Yeah, I will do. So I'll talk very fast because it's hard to fit all of that into 30 seconds. Um, so I always wanted to be a photographer ever since I was a little girl. Um, my 21st birthday, I asked for money so that I could buy my first camera, um, which I still have knocking about somewhere. Uh, proper old manual film, you know, the whole works. And um, so I always wanted to be a photographer, but life just, as always, life takes you in different directions. And I never quite got there. Um, but I did end up running a digital agency for 10 years based out of London. Um, obviously, as part of that, I was doing photography. So I'd do someone's headshots and then teach them how to use LinkedIn and put the headshots on LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. So so it was kind of integrated, um, but I wasn't doing photography full time. I did some weddings on the side, some family shoots on the side, but nothing ever official or formal. Um, and then in 2019, at the beginning of 2019, I had a baby, which is quite a life changing experience. Uh, if you're running a company, trying to look after another human uh, and uh, what is essentially also a baby, which is a company. Um, and then at the end of 2019, uh, one of my former favorite clients of all time died. Um, unexpectedly, not for him, but unexpectedly for me, because I thought he would outlive us all. Um, and it was those kind of things that were the catalyst for change, really. So I woke up January the 1st at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I had made my peace with closing the company down, which I then duty did. Uh, I closed down the website, forgetting that the email address was attached to the website, of course. 
so then I had to scramble around to try and figure out how I was going to email everyone. Um, but thankfully, I've always used a Gmail address, so it was quite easy. Um, and yeah, so I just emailed clients, passed them on to other agencies. Uh, the people that were on my team um, were pretty much wanting to do their own thing anyway, more full time. So that was fine. And then I sort of officially, officially went full time into photography in February 2020. And then, as we all know, March 2020 happened. Uh, it was quite an interesting time to set up and go full time into a photography business. Not just one photography business, uh, business three photography businesses. <laughs> so, yeah, tricky. <laughs> you say tricky. And, and I want to say this because we, we, as we're probably getting to the podcast. We've known each other for a while now, especially through that yeah. <laughs> horrendous year. Um, <laughs> but to tell you this, Aidan, and everyone listening uh, from... I believe November the 12th to December the 12th, you done, what, 258 photo shoots? Yeah, yeah, that was just Christmas minis, actually. That was 258 Christmas mini sessions. And that wasn't counting the family shoots that I had and the business shoots as well. Um, I was really knackered <laughs> after that. I was knackered. I was exhausted for most of Christmas as well. Um, it was entirely unexpected. Uh, at the start of November, I kind of told everybody, I'm not going to be at networking because I've got about maybe up to 100 shoots. I kind of thought I was overestimating to sound better. I thought maybe I'd have 50 to 80. Um, but yeah, 258, I counted them at the end. It was quite intense. And exhausting. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> I won't be doing that again this year and I will be raising my prices as well just to ease that burden of doing so many. I think this is something that so many like magicians and performers complain about. They always it's like not a complaint, it's like I'm I'm so grateful that we're so busy, but it's always so busy. But I'm not sure there are performers out there that manage to clock two hundred and fifty odd gigs. <laughs> In, in that period of time I'm not sure that's possible and I, I'm just personally curious here what did that sort of what, what did a day in the life look like as you went through that time period well I can sum it up with one word Aiden: editing editing and editing <laughs> and to top it all off my toddler got like the monster cold of all time like I've never seen him that ill it wasn't even COVID it was something that even the doctor said this is worse than COVID uh, he got an absolute monster cold, um, which obviously coughing in my face and licking my tongue and stuff, he gave it to me. So I spent half of November dragging myself around two different things, trying to survive. Um, and so I missed, I, I got quite behind in terms of editing. And so it was just like literally just catching up. I had everything nicely, evenly spaced out, everything, you know, do the shoots, edit in the afternoon, deliver overnight. Do the shoot, edit in the afternoon, deliver overnight. And I had it all perfectly spaced. But man, when I got that cold, I, I was sleeping most of the time when I wasn't shooting. And so I had quite a lot of editing to do at the beginning of December. And it was very, uh, very stressful. Um, not, I wouldn't say it was a happy time. I, I'm at my happiest when I'm editing and shooting. Um, but I wasn't very happy at that stage. I was mostly just exhausted. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what the day in the life looked like. It was just surviving through it. Um, I was I was lucky in the way that they were all scheduled out. So there was only sort of one, one section a day. So, for example, the mini shoots that I organized were like, there were about five to ten a day. So it wasn't like, you know, everyone. then I'd get home at about half past four and I'd sit and edit and, and finish at about 10, 11 at night. You know, try to get it right in camera so that when I'm editing, I don't have to do too much to it. 
Um, so then I'd be up till 10 at night and then I'd be uploading the pictures until, you know, 11 and then leave them uploading overnight. <clears throat> so that was kind of the modus operandi. And then, you know, the next day I'd have another chunk of shoots. So it, it was kind of nicely spaced out. I mean, I'm just still in shock that this is this is just a thing. Like, kudos to you for actually for actually rolling with that. <laughs> uh, now, here's here's the, the, like a big question. A lot of people, like myself included, try and fit to these kind of schedules. Again, I'm guilty of this. Literally, just the past few weeks have been a nightmare. But spacing things out and blocking the time, just like in a similar way to what you just mentioned, d- did that ever go out of whack? Did you did you ever? overrun at one point was there any chaos with schedules or or did like the schedule just seem to fit well in my own mini sessions so the ones i organized where i marketed them out um had about 60 of those 60 of the 258 were those that i booked myself so i hired a room set up my backdrops threw snow at people and you know made them have fun for 20 minutes i was very very strict on schedule i actually had my mum helping me um for a few of those sessions i think i had about five sessions and i had my mum helping me for a few of those as my elf so i made her dress like an elf um and uh, i had her on uh, working with me so basically we set a timer for like so the session each person was 20 minutes long that included you taking off your coats and settling your kids and you know, stuff like that and, and getting out the door. So effectively shooting time was about 15 minutes. So we set an alarm as soon as someone walked in, 15 minutes. At the end of the 15 minutes when the alarm went off, we started throwing snow at them and doing pictures with snow. That was kind of like a way of scheduling that. And also because people don't want to have photos with loads of snow in their hair. Because at the beginning, we threw snow at people first and then they spent the rest of the shoot trying to pick snow out of their hair. And the Photoshop was a nightmare trying to Photoshop out people, you know, for the rest of the session. So it didn't look like they had dandruff. And I was like, I said to my mom, right, for the next few, we need to throw snow at people at the end so that they walk out with the snow <laughs> in their hair. Um, but we kept to a rigorous schedule. So, you know, five minutes of playing with snow, blowing snow, throwing snow all of that fun stuff and then taking pictures obviously and then getting people out the door. So I kept a very strict schedule. Um, Some of the mini sessions I did were through mums groups. Um, So they'd have the group first, like sing and sign, things like that. So they'd have the the session first, I'd do some class pictures and then I had the backdrop ready to go. And then it would like literally one minute per mum and baby and child. So if your child is not ready, go to the back of the cube and try again. Um, So it was like the McDonald's of photography. It was just a production line of getting people through that door. Um, And then one of the sessions I did, uh, my mom will laugh at this, but um, because she she was there to support me and help me, was at a Santa session at a kid's school uh, for a kid's uh, Christmas fair. And it was chaos. Uh, We did, I think there were 40 shoots in the space of like half an hour, (laughs) Uh, probably even less, 15 minutes, I don't know. Uh, People didn't pitch. Um, It was just carnage. Honestly, it was carnage. I I don't recommend doing that at all. And I won't ever do it again. (laughs) So yeah, so that that wasn't uh, up to us uh, to, to coordinate because it was the school that were coordinating it. So it was carnage. But all of my own shoots, um, I did some at, at kids' nurseries as well. So basically, I would just set up and then they would bring the kids, set them down, and we'd take pictures. And those were slightly more fluid and flexible because there's a stranger in a room with a camera, a kid comes in, you know, it's awkward for the kids. And they're like, what is going on? So with those ones, I just took as long as the kids needed. But with those ones, they're only about three kids a day, three, four, five kids a day. So I had the whole day. You know, I started at like eight in the morning, so I was there till 12, just working with the kids, easing them in, playing games with them. 
So, yeah, so it, it was run very differently depending on who organized it. If I organized it, it was like right on the minute, like, right, get out, please. Next couple, next people are coming in. Um, we only had one incident where the hotel messed up. They booked a wedding uh, in the room that I had actually hired. They, they, they allowed wedding guests to have breakfast in the room that I had actually paid for. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so that made us run really late but we managed to catch up the time because we had one person who was a no-show and then that gave us that breathing space just to catch up and then the rest of the mini sessions for the whole afternoon ran smoothly so so yeah where I could control it I I'm, I'm really like you know if someone's paid for 20 minutes I don't think it's fair to the next people who are coming in to be running late because the, these people can't get their act together so I I kind of hustled people out you know I'm, I'm very I'm from South Africa. I don't have British politeness about me. I'm just like, man, your time is up. Please get out. <laughs> you know, there's there's no soft kind of, you know, saving face. I'm just, I'm from South Africa. I'm very direct. And, you know, I, I, it's kind of not fair to other people. I've given you your time. I've given you all of myself in that time. And now it's somebody else's turn to have all of us. And we only had like 10 minutes between each shoot to clean up, clean up the snow, reset, and then me have some water and breathe and then get the next people in. So I was very picky about it being on time. I mean, hey, if you've got like 10 shoots a day, you've got to be direct. Otherwise, <laughs> like chaos will unfold. And I, I think like, like we get a lot of event professionals and a lot of magicians obviously listening to our podcast because of the nature of it. Um, and, and, and people literally, as of like today, like 114 countries around the world, uh, including people in like Las Vegas. And still that number to like the Las Vegas performers is a bloody lot because those people are only doing like two or three shows a day. And like you've outward from that, like doing so much work. And, and I think the question on anyone's mind here, anyone that's listening, because a magician would be happy if they had what you had in a month across like three, four, maybe even five years, they'd, they'd be over the moon with that. How the hell did you book that many shoots <laughs> in a month? Um, it wasn't intentional. That's all I can say. It was, it was, a. um, that's um, so hard because it, it wasn't intentional. Like I said, I didn't think I would have that many. Um, but I think a large part of it, besides the ones that I booked myself. So let's look at, cause there were, there were effectively like four different types of, of Christmas minis that I did. So the ones that I booked where I hired a room, gave people 20 minutes a session, put 10 minutes in between for a break, an hour's lunch break, set up backdrops, do snow at people, you know, bought props, I spent loads of money at Poundland buying loads of props and things for babies to chew on and, you know, stuff that they could take with them uh, or that could be cleaned afterwards. And um, those ones I, to be honest with you, the marketing for those ones was purely based on price. Um, I tried to do them last year, but obviously December was locked down, so I had to cancel the ones that I had booked. Um, so for this year, there were a few photographers in my area who were no longer doing them. So that also factored in as well. Um, I looked at what people who were doing them, so local studios and stuff, what they were charging. And I charged a shitload less. I mean, that's a shit on, oh, sorry. So I charged um, a load less. <laughs> I charged a load less um, and um, and a couple of the, I, I basically created three packages. One was 50 quid, one was 25 quid and one was free. And then you pay for the pictures you want afterwards. Big mistake because a lot of the free ones either, um, we only had one no show uh, and that's because 
she managed to message me afterwards and that was fun. It was perfectly understandable. She was taken to hospital. So it was, it was kind of um, outside of her control. Um, so that's good. We only had one no show. We had some people who canceled at the last minute, COVID related, but I hadn't taken a deposit. So I still had to pay for the room regardless. And because they hadn't paid anything for the session, I lost out a lot of money. So the lesson from that, that I will take for next year is raise the price because the closest in price to me was 99 pounds and I was charging 50. So that was essentially the marketing was that it, I was too cheap. Um, it was my first year doing it. I wanted to see how it went. I didn't know it was actually going to be that well received. Um, so I will be increasing the price uh, to next year. I will be taking a non-refundable deposit portion of the price because I still have to pay the room <laughs> even if people don't pitch. Um, so that, that, and then I posted about it on Facebook. Um, I also donated a percentage of the profits to two local charities. So I actually asked people when I promoted it, I said, um, which charities would you guys recommend I donate to? Um, and so I went with, with that suggestion. So even though people didn't, I don't think they felt like they were part of donating to the charity because I didn't go on about it too much. There was an element of thank you everyone for taking part. I've now paid um, money to these two charities. And I, I think I, I don't think I made a massive loss. I mean, it helped to have my mum as my assistant. Um, and I had a few other people who helped me as well, no charge, just for the fun of the day, because it was fun dressing as an elf and throwing snow at people. You know, we had a good laugh and it was a good day. But I, I think I lost a little bit of money um, in doing it that way. So next year, increase the price, non-refundable deposits. Um, and, and some people as well, the ones that got it for free, screenshot of their pictures, even though I had a watermark. And so they never bought their gallery, um, which is another lesson learned. And so this time the screenshot, uh, the, um, the watermark is ugly. So they will not be able to just screenshot. It covers the whole picture. Um, so those are the sessions that I booked. So the marketing was Facebook, uh, announcing it in a group, donating part of the profits to charity as well, make people feel good and charging too little. Basically, I don't know if that's a marketing strategy, but it worked. Um, I had about 60 of those sessions. Um, the other ones was relationships, relationship marketing. So the nursery that I did the photos at is our old child, child minder. Um, and it was basically, she had a photographer friend who did them when my little boy was there. Um, and I was respecting the space of the other photographer, but I thought, you know what, this year I'm just going to be bullshit. I think, I think a little bit of marketing is about hustling people. And so I messaged her. And I said, listen, I'm doing Christmas minis. Do you want me to come and do them? And it turned out that her friend wasn't actually doing them. Um, and so she had a, an open space to do them. So it's a little bit of hustle and kind of, I think it's respecting other people's space who do what you do, but also realizing that this is a business. Uh, my dad is actually a musician and he always says to me that he can't be sick. Like he's just recovered from two weeks of COVID and he's straight, he, yesterday was his first gig and he can still, he's got cancer. And he had COVID for two weeks in hospital and he did his first gig yesterday and he just got out of hospital, um, respite care the day before. Um, but he said, you know, if you don't go in, someone else will call the venue and say, do you need a musician? Um, and so it is a little bit about, you have to be slightly aggressive in business and you have to, you, you can be empathetic, but you also have to not care about somebody else's business. Somebody else's business is not your responsibility. And if they're not hanging on to a gig, 
you need to get in there and it's hard it's hard because i'm very empathetic and i you know i try not to step on other people's toes and i'm like oh i don't want to do that but i hustled in this case and it worked out because then i had a whole week of mini sessions with her uh, that was the ones that were more fluid and flexible because the kids were terrified um, of this massive camera <laughs> at one session i actually got her to hold the camera and do the pictures and i managed to get two workable pictures out of that but it eased the kids into it so when i came back into the room they were more more okay with it um the school fair uh i offered my backdrop um uh as like because they needed a christmas scene so i offered my christmasy backdrop as a um as part you know part of helping a local school basically but then i said well you're going to use my backdrop why don't i just come and take pictures um didn't really think it through because obviously people can take pictures with their mobile phones so why would they take a picture uh why would they buy pictures from me if they can take pictures from with their mobile phones and we had an incident with a dad who threatened to punch me because i asked him not to take pictures with his mobile phone so it was that yeah it was it was carnage when i say it was carnage it was carnage trying to stop people from taking pictures of their mobile phone trying to take good pictures of the kids reacting with santa they had a santa who was amazing um but the, the thing i got out of that um is don't work for free unless you are actually going to get something back from it sometimes you need to work for free to learn that you're not going to get something back from it i think i made 14 pounds worth of sales from that event which does not cover the time <laughs> that i spent editing and shooting and fighting with dads um and sometimes you do need to do something for free to learn things that you do for free don't always backfire so sometimes you can do something for free and you get some really good stuff back from it um the couple in the top corner on my background i did their wedding for free it was the first like official i don't know these people kind of wedding and from that i've got amazing pictures and you know they've referred me out and stuff like it so sometimes doing something for free can work um but but always make sure that you control the parameters i think i didn't control the parameters of that school fair uh, what i would have done if i'd realized what was going to happen is put santa and my backdrop in a separate room pay people get people to pay in advance like 10 quid or whatever and then let them come in uh, on their own take the pictures leave mobile phones at the door uh, and then send them the pictures afterwards the whole gallery whatever you know so that kind of thing so it was a learning it was definitely a learning experience the other thing i got out of it was an amazing santa the guy who did santa gary was amazing um and he was so good with the kids so now i can use him this year in my own christmas minis um and then the what's the other one i think that was it basically so it was just you know it was a mix of um relationships oh the, the the sing and sign clubs um i offered again to do pictures of the classes for free in exchange for me to then do backdrop pictures afterwards um and then the mums buy the pictures that they want so even though it was um a month of work for a month of work i made two and a half grand in uh picture sales which i don't normally share like publicly but that's enough money to pay for my bills two months so that covers us for winter that covered us for november and december uh to pay rent and stuff like that so i didn't make as much as i could but i wasn't charging very much for pictures which again i will do now this year prints and downloads um so yeah that's it so relationships facebook bit of hustle bit of massive mistake um but yeah it's um I had the time of my life I really did even though I was very sick at one point obviously and and um and very stressed it, I we really enjoyed it I mean the, the first the many sessions I, the last family like I was on the 12th of December when I did my last day 
it was dark. Uh, the place, the room that I hired uh, in the place uh, messed me around. I, I pitched up. There were chairs all over the place, food all over the carpet. So I had arrived early, thank God, but I had to then clean the whole room. And I was furious and moved chairs and tables. So by the time the first family got there, which was my own family, thank God, I was absolutely sweating. Um, but I got my husband and my son to come for the first session, thank God, because that gave me time just to you know, stop my toddler from eating all the food that was on the floor and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, it, it eased me in, um, but I was done. And I was totally done that day. I was like, I am not in the mood for this at all. And I had really lovely families. And the last family of the day ended all of it on a massive high because they threw themselves in fully to the session. They threw snow at each other. They threw snow at me. Obviously, at that stage, I didn't need to keep the snow. So there was snow everywhere, fake snow um, and, you know, it, it just ended it on a high. Um, and, and then it felt like the whole thing had been worthwhile, even though it was exhausting and I don't recommend it. <laughs> wow, where do one pick that, Aiden? Like, there's so many, so many, like, learning Sorry, curves in there. it's a long answer to a short and question. Some, <laughs> and, and I think you've, like, touched on something which myself and Aiden had two key points. And I know Aiden wants to come on to something in a second um, and really talking, like, what it's like... Uh, being at events from your angle as a photographer like there was two angles like I was really interested in your business and Aiden was really interested in the events and like with that answer it's like you read our minds here you're the mind reader reading our minds you was like well here's this answer for Ashley and here's the answer of what it's like at events for Aiden like you, you tackle them both I think there's a lot of lessons there you did say a word that we hate hustle we hate that word but I think what it shows <laughs> is you've been like strategic you've been optimistic you've been like um actually going out there um uh, you've you've been proactive and and it is really taking advantage mm -hmm. of those opportunities which you've seen and like uh, a lot of a lot of people in our industry they wonder how to get work um and and they're never really too sure so the easiest thing is to look at how other people are getting work but then again not many mm. people in our industry know about kind of that side so it is just tends to rely on just social media and websites and as a byproduct so many entertainers and uh, magicians get stuck going wow where do i start I, i'm not sure how to make it and, and i think there's so much to take from your answer like of what you've said and, and you've mentioned a key thing which we say over and over and over and over and over all the time building relationships building mm -hmm. that network connecting with your circle and you've mentioned it here from your angle that kind of like relationship marketing as you worded it actually building those relationships being a people person being proactive looking for opportunities and just connecting with people on that more personal level is yeah. this something which you find other works people well need. then yeah it's understanding what other people need so with the sing and sign classes um where mums and babies come and learn uh, sign language um there was the lady who did the sing and sign classes for my little boy um, and she didn't need me to come and do pictures, but she referred me because I kept in contact. That's the other thing as well is follow up, follow up and keeping in contact with people is the most. And, you know, I fall down at this. I, I found a, an application for wedding photography in my inbox last night that had been sent on the 2nd of January. And because my husband and my toddler had COVID in the first two weeks of January, I dropped the ball. And so I messaged her last night hyper apologetically and she's already found another photographer. So that was very annoying and I was very <laughs> upset with myself. So sometimes I do drop the ball, but follow-up is so important. Um, and because I kept in touch with her, she then referred me to um, a friend of hers who's running the franchise in a different part of uh, Kent. Uh, and Carrie and I just got on really well. And 
what does Carrie need? She needs pictures to post on social media. And so I said, let me come and take pictures of the class, no charge. And so sometimes doing something is, you know, no charge is, is of benefit. Um, I come and take the pictures for her. She can use them as she wishes on social media, wherever she wants, on website, printing, whatever for her marketing. Um, and then I get an opportunity to set up a backdrop at the end of class, take pictures of people who are interested, and then they purchase purchase the pictures that they want and that has actually spiraled into not just doing the classes but now I do her summer parties and her Christmas minis and we did Halloween minis this year as well so you know last year and the year before it was just sort of doing some of the classes when she was allowed to be open but now now we're actively planning so we've actually planned I've bought two backdrops for Easter so now we're planning Easter sessions um, you know, we planned her summer party. We did Halloween last year. We're doing Christmas again this year. So, you know, it's um, it's definitely about building relationships and and understanding if you if you are offering something to someone, don't offer what you think they should have. Uh, I didn't say to her, you know, can I come and set up a backdrop in your class to take pictures? Because you know that's like dollar bills. Um, it was more about what does she actually need? She needs pictures for her social media. I'll come and do pictures for your social media that you can use as you like in exchange for me then being able to upsell my photography. And I have had birthday parties and stuff booked from that as well, from meeting the mums. You know, they love their pictures with the backdrop. And so then they booked me for their kids' birthday parties because they're all like babies and, and tiny, you know, sort of first birthdays and stuff. So, and from there, you just build, you know, you build the relationship as well. I think you've said you said something there that's really, really prominent. And I want to bring it back up to everyone's attention here in terms of this relationship building. Uh, and it is this this belief of, like Keith Ferrazzi calls it, leading uh, with generosity, actually going mm. forwards into a relationship, finding out not what can I get out of this person, what can I get out of this opportunity, but what can I give to this person? What can I give to this opportunity? What opportunity can I create? So it's really nice to actually hear that from your perspective, that's, that's been something great that as, as a result, like as an immediate result, turned into something much bigger at, uh, at the outset, which is, yeah, that's, I just, I wanted to flag that up because of how important that is. And if we go with that mentality into every relationship that we build, there is no reason on earth that we can't have these spiraling successes into, into lots of different uh, avenues, if you like per relationship yeah. it's just really monumental i love that i love that leading with generosity i think i'm going to write that on a big thing and lead with generosity i really like that it's not something i'd ever quantified but that is definitely always my my perspective is always how can i make this win-win for both of us um and, and sometimes sometimes it is at my own expense so you know sometimes i i give too much and then i end up losing out and the other person gains like shitloads but there's always something to learn from that as well there's always something to learn from all of those kind of situations and it's kind of, yeah it's it's kind of like and it's not just doing a charity so you know sing and sign is a profit making business it's not a charity i don't i don't always do free stuff for charities you know i'm quite happy if somebody comes along and says you know would you i've given gift vouchers for charity events and you know for family shoots and stuff like that and you know it's only my time that that is going to get taken up. So it doesn't always have to be about charity. Sometimes you can approach another business and say, this is what I do. How can we work together to create something for your customers that is going to bring value to your business? You know, that kind of stuff. And I, I think what we do, whether magicians or photographers, the only thing it really takes us, I mean, besides a photographer, obviously very expensive equipment, but once you've got it, you've got it. And I think the only thing it takes us is our time, you know, but the rewards that you can get sometimes from giving your time uh, can far outweigh the time that you spent, if that makes sense. 
Um, and then sometimes it's worth just giving your time because you just don't know what's, you know, when I, when I ran my digital agency out of London, I used to do lots of speaking events. And I remember my mom saying to me the one day, um, you know, are you sure you should be doing these? And because they're costing you money because I have to pay for the tube. And, you know, I lived in London, but I had to pay for the tube to get to these events. And it was two hours at a time, plus an hour's travel either side. Um, and she was like, um, I sure should still be doing stuff for free. And so I sat down and I did a spreadsheet and I looked at all the clients I had and where they all came from, which is another really good thing to do as well, is to sit down with the clients that you have. Where did they come from? And 40, I think at that stage, 50% of my income could be traced back to these seminars, sometimes two or three times. So like someone would come to the seminar and then say to me, um, you know, I run a group for people who do IT um, you know, and we we have our next event. Would you come and speak at that? I mean, I did I did speaking events at the Institute of Directors, and that was from somebody who'd come to one of my free seminars who said, "Can you come and talk at the Institute of Directors?" I said, "Yeah, of course. You know, an hour. Why not go and do that?" That wasn't paid. Uh, they gave me a bottle of wine at the end, which is a shame because I don't drink. Um, but they gave me a bottle of wine at the end. It wasn't paid. But then a few people that were attending. Uh, messaged me and said, can you help me with my LinkedIn profile? And then that's where the money came in because then I charged for the training session or the mentoring session. And sometimes it was two or three, four things down the line that I could still trace it back to doing the free seminars. And directly 50% of my income was from the free seminars, but it was ongoing. And so eventually it just built up and, you know, it was, it was well worth doing them because I could trace back a significant portion of income, you know, back to, back to those seminars. Um, and it's sometimes it was like 70% of my income had come from those, you know, people. So, so tra yeah, tracing, tracing where people are coming from is, is definitely key as well. well. Super important. If it just shows you could double down on the right areas and you shouldn't, shouldn't theoretically shouldn't have an issue going forwards, but we've, we've spoken a lot about um, like the events that you've run yourself and stuff. And, and we've hinted on uh, things like weddings and stuff. And that's a market that all three of us are operating. And I, I know that a, an absolute ton of our audience also do weddings. So I'd, I'd love to pick your brains for, for a little while on what it's actually like mm. as a wedding photographer. Like what, what does it, we'll start on the day actually. And then, cause I want to pick a, pick around it and look at the, 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 the like the inquiry process and stuff but but on the day on on a scale of like one to ten like how stressy is it for you uh what 10 being the most stressed and one being no stress yeah, yeah one yeah. one one for me no stress because i i love it so much it was what i it's what i was born to do is what I've always wanted to be. I always wanted to be a wedding photographer i always wanted to be a photojournalist as well but that's another story but i i love weddings um I have already built that relationship with the couple because I've probably known them for about two years, one year, you know, because people tend to book photography quite far in advance. And I'm a very uh, emotionally invested photographer. So I emotionally invest in my couples. Like last night, one of my couples sent me, um, they're a, a gay couple. Um, and one of them uh, sent me a picture of her in her suit and was asking my opinion on which bow tie and I tell you I cried when I got the picture I said oh my god you look amazing and I cried because I was like oh my god you look amazing that you know that kind of thing I'm getting tearful just thinking about it because I'm emotionally invested in my couples so the wedding day for me there's no stress at all I just I, I do the whole day like I'm on a high seriously I just 
I float through the day. I love it so much. I love every second of it. I love uh, giving the bride bottles of water and telling her to drink water. I love, um, you know, babysitting, like at the, one of the weddings I did last year, I had to babysit someone's toddler because the maid of honor was her mum and she was getting her hair and makeup done. The toddler wanted to go and see its dad. And so I was carrying kids around. And, you know, I, I just, I love the whole day. I, I don't feel any stress at all. It's really weird. And, you know, I I just love it. I just, I just live in it. Um, that's very strange because I never really thought about it. I never really thought, you know, how stressed am I at weddings? I just don't stress at all. I just, I love every second of it, which I know is not always the case for <laughs> many photographers. Um, you know, I, it's so strange because I've always been, I've always had an eye for photography, but I did a course in lockdown, just a very basic course. Like it literally went through the basics, but something uh, just to check that I did, you know, know what I was doing and also to fill a few technical gaps. But there was something about the course that unlocked something in me and gave me so much confidence in my work. I think because it helped me understand the technical aspects of my camera because I'm not really good with the technical stuff. I'm good with the eye. You know, I can take a really good picture with any camera, but my camera is, you know, slightly more fancy and it has technical things that I was like, I can't make head or tails of this. And that course unlocked those things. And since then I've just, flown and so you know I, I get to a wedding and I know my equipment and I don't know it 100% I would say I probably know it about 70% but that's enough that's enough to you know to capture moments and I, I just love it what a privilege it is even as a magician mind reader whatever when you're at someone's wedding what an privilege it is to be invited to someone's pinnacle of their love story like you know it's a shame we forget about marriages because there's so much emphasis placed on weddings but there really is the wedding is the pinnacle of someone's love story it's the start of the the story essentially the love story that then follows with kids and you know marriage is hard work but the wedding is it's like it's like if you put a, a pin into a blanket and pulled it up the point of the blanket that's sticking up closer to the pin that's the wedding you know the, the rest of the blanket is the marriage and all the shit that comes with that but the, the it's what a privilege what a privilege and I, I i feel that so much when i'm there i feel emotionally part of the day i feel like a friend of the couple and I'm invested, you know, I, I, I feel like a guest who's just so happy to see my couple married, you know, it's just like, yes, it, there's no stress. I, I love it. It's, I love it too much because by the end of the day, I feel bereft and I go through a grieving process. Uh, you know, I get home, I feel really glum because I have to eat lots of chocolate because I feel really sad that I'm not going to see them again <laughs> until they have babies. And then hopefully the family photography will kick in. I <laughs> just, yeah, I miss them. And if they've not friended me on Facebook, I feel really sad because I want to see what happens with their story. This is something that you mentioned yes, the other day. Um, we were sat down Wednesday morning over breakfast and you were saying how you just go the extra way with your weddings, like uh, to fill Aiden and Samantha was saying like, how she makes sure like the bride is taking rest, like she said, uh, <coughs> giving them bots of water. You gave the example of where you had to literally babysit a kid because he was just running around. You wanted to show him to his dad. Uh, and you also said you carry like uh, in your bag like you carry chargers like a variety of chargers for guests if they need them for their phone chocolate in case anyone wants it your water you've got a sewing kit in case anyone's suit or dress needs sewing up like, <laughs> like yeah. when i heard that Lots i was like stuff. wow <laughs> yeah i uh, tampons pads um 
just, you know, all the things that people could need through the day. I always have a tin of spaghetti with me as well, just in case I get hungry. But, you know, if somebody else needs it or whatever, you just eat it straight out of the tin. But yeah, chocolates, chocolates mostly for me, but I have had a situation where the bride was feeling a bit faint. And so I gave her um, a couple of the chocolates just to boost up her sugar levels. Um, so yeah, just, you know, and it's, it's a really small bag. I mean, it's not any bigger than a handbag um, that you can, you can fit a lot in. Um, and I, I think that my role I think uh, I'm just a photographer. That's like, this is what I think. But generally from the industry perspective, I'm just a photographer and I'm a supplier and that's it. But in my head, because I get so emotionally invested in my couples, I'm also their friend, even if it's just the friend for the day. And um, I, I always say to people, I'm your honorary bridesmaid because I will carry all the things that you might need. And sometimes brides are on, you know, on it. They they have a bridesmaid who carries a sewing kit and they, you know, they have all their bridesmaids with the little bits and bobs that they're going to need. But you know, it, it's just basically being prepared for any eventuality um, and just being there to fill the gaps, you know, not just with pictures and memories, but to fill the gaps of what can be a very stressful day for a couple. And this is their essentially possibly their first wedding and they have no idea how it's going to be. Uh, it's my role as someone who's been now to multiple weddings, plus having had two of my own, uh, practice makes perfect, right? Um, <laughs> as, is to be there to fill the gaps of the things that they don't know are going to happen uh, and, and to be prepared for any eventuality. And it makes me feel like a superhero. I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, when I, the bride's having a dizzy spell, no one's got anything. Yes, a chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate's in my bag have a chocolate and oh by the way you know your buttons come undone here's a sewing kit um you know it's it's just just being prepared basically for any eventuality for them on their behalf because i know what a wedding is going to do but they don't so you know you have to fill the gaps for people and I, I think what's important if we dig deeper than just the, the being prepared, like I think being prepared for everything is something that we should all be doing anyway at these events, 100%. And actually using our experience and our knowledge and our, our, our even just our, our skill set to be able to cover for those things. But I think the the one step deeper than that is the real the real key here. And and we can hear it in, in the way you're talking and, and your tone of voice and actually what you're saying is like the level of passion that you have for these events is what indicates like how prepared are you going to be? Because I'll be honest, I'll put my hands up and say that, for, especially in the past, for a lot of um, a lot of the weddings that I did, I I didn't have that level of passion because I, I felt it was just a gig. It was just a it, it was almost like a bit of a job for me. But since sort of changing the way I run things and, and run my business, I, I'm sure that there's many others out there like that. But ch in changing that to have more passion for the actual people that are. Inquiry, and you said it right. It's like it, it, it's a it's an honor to actually be there helping them. It's, it's such a privilege to be there for people. Um, but it's it's that passion for the people and for the events that that they just spoke out to me there. And I think that's the real key. Like we can be prepared as much as possible, but if we're not actually passionate about the events that we're doing, mm. I, I think it's going to be quite hard for us to actually show up and even even on bad days because I'm I'm sure you've had it before that you've had. Yeah. Um, uh, a day that you're feeling maybe a little under the weather for whatever reason um, and you've still had a wedding to shoot like yeah it, it's yeah, passion you have to find that. 
I think, yeah, I've, I've had situations um, where I've stood in for um, other photographers, um, so I have no relationship with the couple at all. And that's been really hard because then it's cold. You know, I'm, I'm going in, the first time I'm meeting these people is when she's in her knickers getting ready for her wedding. And it's hard to establish that relationship. Um, but uh, it's just finding, sometimes you have to find the empathy when you're there. You know, sometimes the build-up, like you say, you might be feeling under the weather or tired. And, you know, on the way to the weddings, if I'm driving there uh, on the day, then I always try and stay the night before. But if I'm driving on the day, try and put on some good music, try and really build the buzz, eat lots of chocolate, get the energy up. Um, because another role as, as an entertainer or a supplier is to keep up the energy of the room because it's quite exhausting. You know, most brides wake up 3, 4 a.m., uh, they only start getting their hair and makeup done at like eight, nine, you know, they're exhausted, they're knackered, it's time for a rest already. And now they, you know, they've had a whole full day already before things have even started. And yes, the energy will come later on, but sort of the getting ready part and stuff like that, they need that buzz. They need you to be, they need you to be um, on your best, you know, at your best. And so it's kind of, how do you psych yourself up? And how I psych, psych myself up is I feed off of the love of the day and the energy um, and and remind myself that it's a privilege that I'm here. Even if I have stood in for another photographer, it's still a privilege that I'm here. I'm providing them with the one thing that is going to last from the whole day. Sometimes it even outlasts the marriage, you know. <laughs> My first marriage, the photos outlasted the marriage, you know, so photography is so important. Um, and, and it's the entertainer's job uh, to create memories as well that us photographers can then take pictures of, you know. It's very hard to get pictures a lot of the time of guests laughing and, and genuine, you know, laughter and stuff like that. But if an entertainer is really good, then they will create that moment that then makes our job a lot easier as well. So it's really important for the person who's there to create the, the energy in the room to give a shit about what they do. Otherwise, it's very hard. It's very hard to, to showcase magic when there is no magic. And by magic, I don't mean <laughs> card tricks. I mean, you know, emotion and, and a sense of, of something uh in the room so i think every every job at a wedding is very important obviously as a photographer i'm there the whole day i'm one of the few suppliers that's actually right there from beginning to pretty much almost the end um besides the bride and groom and, and not even all the guests are there as as long as i am um but it we it's important for everyone to work together um you know it's, it's nice if it's that's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, where do you want me to stand? That kind of thing to the photographer, you know, to have an entertainer go, where's the best place for me to stand for you to get the best pictures? Um, because it can only serve you in the end as well, because then you get some really good pictures to use in your marketing if the photographer decides to give you some. So it's just about we're working together to create magic in the day. I think that's, that, that answers like all future questions for me in terms of working together. <laughs> I was like, but literally, no, no, that's really important because my, my next step was like, how can we start working together better? Because again, like, I think out of all of the supplier combinations that there are for weddings and things, I think in particular photographers and entertainers, that it goes hand in hand. Like if we can work together in a really great, like it makes the wedding better. It makes both of our jobs better. It makes the whole situation everything gets better. Um, so well, I, I, don't I had a magician at a wedding. Oh, sorry. I had a magician at a wedding who actually came over to me and tapped me on the shoulder. Cause I was like taking pictures of something else, kids playing or something. He tapped me on the shoulder. He said, listen, mate, I'm just about to do something totally amazing at this table. You have to come over and take pictures. 
I so appreciated that because he did something. Even I was like, what? You know, and um, my brother-in-law is a magician. I, I did a, a magic course when I was a kid. You know, I was fascinated by magic. I always wanted to be part of the magic circle when I was a kid and so loved magic. And even I was just like, what? Like, how did he do that? Like, I know how he does these things. Even my husband didn't know. Um, and he knows how his brother does all these tricks. And I, he was like, I don't know how he did that when I told him about it. So I really appreciated just the tap on the shoulder. He's like, mate, I'm just about to do something outstanding at this table. Come and take pictures of it. And uh, I was like, that, you know, that's key to creating the magic no pun intended but you know creating the magic of the photos because the photos are great people like throwing their heads back laughing and you know and then the bride appreciates those pictures and then i look good because i look like i got a really magic moment uh, so that was no pun intended <laughs> popping out now. but you know it, it's just those little things of working together like you know go and tell the photographer if you're about to do something totally amazing that you know is going to make the guests happy go find the photographer tell them I'm just about to do something at this table, come and take pictures, um, you know, but build a relationship when you come in, because you can't just do that if you haven't talked to the photographer, because they'll go, what, don't tell me how to do my job. Um, but if you've built a relationship, you know, from the start, go say, hi, hi, you know, I'm the magician today, or I'm the entertainer, really nice to meet you, let's swap business cards, let's keep in touch, um, and um, I'll come and let you know when I'm going to do something really cool, so you can come and take really cool pictures and make the bride happy, you know, that kind of thing, just working together, really, would be nice that kind of stuff so have you like you, you've mentioned it before like and obviously you do a ton of photography and a ton of events and tons of weddings like you said you're pretty much filled up for next year already like have you worked with a lot of magicians at weddings then have you been at weddings where there's been a lot of magicians in general I haven't. No, I haven't actually. Um, I mean, my brother-in-law did some magic at my own wedding. I don't know if that counts, but he said he'd do some pleasant magic for us. Um, but no, I haven't actually. I think what's happened, because I only went full-time uh, in January 2020, um, which is obviously just before, uh, in February 2020, just before the pandemic, <coughs> I haven't shot, I didn't shoot many weddings that year, <laughs> obvious reasons. A lot of them moved to this year um and and um and last year as well so a lot of people moved their weddings um but i think people were on a budget um you know because a lot of people had moved their weddings so much uh and or were booking their wedding but doing it with less capacity less budget um yeah it's, i think it's been a very different time i hope that in the future i do work with more because i get to enjoy it as well i love magic love it love it love it i wouldn't have studied it when I was a kid if I didn't you know kind of thing and I was very excited when I heard that my brother-in-law was a, a, a magician because it's very exciting and he's trying to teach my toddler which is totally adorable my toddler just holds a pack of cards and he goes he throws them in the air and then he goes where's it gone <laughs> and we go wow where's it gone like wow you know and then he goes like he stands with his hands like that and we have to clap for him don't say that um, on the podcast but, you know, that's 30 minutes of Aiden's show there don't let that slip <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> um but yeah it's just um yeah just i i would love I, I think weddings are getting more back to normal now where people are now going okay i have a bit of a budget i mean a lot of the weddings i've had booked for this year i have booked this year <laughs> you know <laughs> so that people are now booking weddings for this year and now starting to inquire about weddings next year so i think people will have 
a better budget going forward. And, you know, I love working with magicians. I've done a couple of weddings with magicians, but I love it or entertainers because I get to enjoy the show as well. And I really do. Sometimes I have to think, oh my God, I'm supposed to take pictures. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying this a lot. And then I'm like, oh, I got to take pictures. I got to take pictures. Um, <laughs> you know, so I have to remind myself, but yeah, it would be lovely to work with more people. And I think people's budgets are getting a bit more fluid now. So they're able to, you know, kind of come back to doing that kind of stuff as well. Having the extra stuff of weddings that are uh, important to the day, but not necessarily, you know, the, the, the kind of be all and end all to the wedding. So, a final question, which which really comes to me then, um, is, is this: um, What can us as entertainers and magicians do to just be more valuable for the day, to just do a better job and be your more useful to the married couple and the event overall? What, in your opinion, with your background and what you've seen and running events and being at events from your angle, what? what can we in our industry to just do to be more valuable and more useful? Well, I think a lot of the time um, these days, because couples live together beforehand um, and they work in different places, they bring, you know, sometimes they have people in common, but a lot of the time, you know, you'll see families kind of sitting aside because no one's really introduced them around. Um, I think talking to couples about being the icebreaker of their day. So, and, Again, no pun intended, but creating the magic, um, you know, creating, say, saying to them with the icebreaker of the day, we create the moments that your photographer will get amazing pictures of that you'll look back on and you'll laugh because you didn't realize Auntie Sally had such a big mouth when she laughs, you know, that kind of thing. So it's kind of talking about moments that you'll create, the way that you bond people together, bring people together. Um, it, it really is the icebreaker of the day, isn't it? Because you'll... You know, multiple people who've just been sat at a table who don't know each other, uh, which always happens now at weddings, regardless of the fact that couples have known each other and live, to, live together, there will always be those tables where people don't know each other. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the icebreaker of the day. You're the person who creates those moments that then make the pictures amazing because it's not just the doing of the magic that creates that, that moment where people are laughing. It's after you leave the table. That's when I get some of the nicest pictures because now those people are all going, holy shit, how did you do that? How did you know my pen number? And then, you know, you're all laughing and chatting. And then that's when I get really good pictures because now everybody's friends at that table. So you create friends out of strangers. I think that's like a tagline, you know, you make friends out of strangers. You create moments that the photographer can take great pictures of and you you pull people together. You're the icebreaker of the day. And it's a really important role. And I wish more people would would get entertainers. You know, they kind of think guests can look after themselves, but really they don't. You know, I, I, I see people sitting so separately, families segmented, you know, separate, separate from each other um, because the bride and groom know each other. So they're like, oh, everybody knows everybody, but actually they don't. <laughs> and um it's a really good way to bring guests together and make better photos and, and create friends out of strangers. I love that. I love that. And uh, I, th I think I'm going to be listening to the replay of this and stealing what you just said word for word and uh, using that in my promo copy. But hey, that's 20 about... quid. <laughs> 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 fantastic well here's the thing like we've had a, a lot of different conversations in that we've taken this conversation in a, a lot of different avenues and i'm really grateful that you've actually taken the time to to come and have a chat with us i know it's not um not your everyday situation where you get to talk to two mind readers on a podcast uh all about weddings <laughs> and photography it's like a very weird situation but we've got a lot of listeners at this point we've got uh, people all across the world and i'd love to ask the question 
if there's one thing or one message or one thing that you'd like to share with all of those people, what would that one thing be? Oh, take a lot of chocolate to a wedding. Um, <laughs> and ladies and gents, no, that just... was uh, it's great to have you here. <laughs> More of that story. No, build relationships, I think. Um, I, I really love what you said earlier, lead with generosity. I think that is that is how I live my life and um, it, it permeates into my business. And I, I really love that. If that's the quote of the day, lead with generosity, I really love that. Lead with generosity and build relationships with people, genuine relationships, not just to get something from them but to give something to them that's going to benefit you, them and you in the end as well. You know, create win-win situations for Oh, yeah, fantastic. What a wonderful, beautiful way to end. It's something that resonates with us so much and something we preach. And uh, yeah, I was actually trying to find Keith's book during the podcast interview, but it's too high up, so I couldn't bring it down. Um, but no, just finally, um, for all those people that, A, if they have a wedding and they're doing it as a magician and the bride and groom uh, the married couple um haven't booked a photographer yet one where can people find you about that and where can people find you in general that was a hint to all you magicians out there <laughs> if your marriage couples don't have a photographer yet just scroll down and click the link below um but ultimately where can where can people find you if they're curious about your stuff samantha uh, well, Facebook, Instagram, and my website is just lemonfeatherphotography.com and on Instagram and, and uh, thinking the same as lemonfeatherphotography. Um, and yeah, I, I'm very happy to network and, you know, have people message me and follow me and follow back and chat about weddings and stuff. So fantastic stuff fantastic stuff well samantha thank you so much for joining us on the tsm podcast i've taken a lot away from it uh, that's for sure i know okay. ashley has as well so thank you for spending the time and uh yeah hope to see actually see you soon that'd be that'd be great yeah definitely thank you guys thank you for having me Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum and we'll send you all of the details.